a real-life comedy podcast designed to lighten you up, make you laugh, and get you off your ass. Now that's Kristen being Kristen. Are you freaking kidding me? Start the show. All right, everyone. It is another episode of Chicken in the Bag podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about, uh, what is it, overcoming the man laws. But you know what? Even if you're not a man, you're going to love this show. Uh, today, I'm going to be talking with uh, Oliver C. Marcel, and he is the author of Overcoming the Man Laws. And I love the book, and I think there's a lot of great life lessons in it. So we're going to get him in here and get started. Hi, Oliver. How are you? I'm good. I guess I should I should unmute, right? That would help. Yeah, that's... If I, yeah it would help if I unmuted. Okay. All right. So I'm that's good. okay. I am not the best <laughs> with technology either. Today I have to uh, use a different um, device. So we're going to do the best we can. And we've got time chatting. Oliver, Indeed. I'm almost, I got your book. I loved it because it has so many different life lessons that I think not only can men benefit from it, but I think women can too. And um, I'm a big believer of authenticity, accountability, and a lot of that stuff. So let's Mm -hmm. talk a little bit about you. Who's Oliver Marcel? And um, uh, where did you grow up? And a little bit about your backstory. Wow. Okay. So who's Oliver Marcel in a nutshell? I am a a learner, a self-proclaimed learner. I wasn't always that, but Grew up in inner city, Baltimore, uh, born and raised to Caribbean parents, but born here. And just everything that you could think of, those of you who are familiar with Baltimore, or those who aren't familiar with Baltimore, their their only point of reference is probably The Wire, which was a show that was on HBO. Yep. And so there is a component of that that is 100% authentic. That's not the entire city, but there is a component of that that is authentic. And so where I grew up, I did see pieces of that kind of activity Um, because of who my parents were. I also saw another side, however, because my parents were were people of faith. They went to church. They tried to put us in, in, you know, quote unquote, good schools. And so I did get that balance. But it's interesting when you grow up. That balance sometimes is, you know, the good, the bad outweighs the good sometimes in terms of of how you're influenced. Right. And so for me, fast forward, had all these dreams and goals and visions, went away to school like I'm going to get out of Maryland, went away, had all these dreams and visions at 17, went to Michigan, went to school, just blew it in a nutshell whole bunch of bad mistakes, whole bunch of crazy times. I think I'm having fun. I think I know everything. And then fast forward to, I guess, where we are in this point in our life. I went through this phase of self-discovery and I learned some things were really detrimental to my, the space I was in. So there were some things that I brought with me into my marriage and that kind of thing. And they just weren't working. Let's just call it what it is. Mm-hmm. And then went through this self, phase of self-discovery where I realized some things. And that's where the book was birthed out of. That okay. journey of self-discovery, of me learning some things about myself, learning some things that would help me be a better person, let alone a better husband and father. So me in a nutshell, a learner, um, I'm, I'm living, and we'll talk about this later, but I'm, I'm living sort of in hindsight. Mm-hmm. But the goal is that others who get in contact with me will achieve 2020 before hindsight. So we'll talk about that in a little bit. But that's oh, me I in a nutshell. That. I love that. I 
I think I connect with you so much. Like I found you, um, I forget where I found you, but then I, I checked out your page and I was like, oh, I want to have a conversation with this guy because I really felt a lot of commonalities with you. And I think what a lot of people don't realize is when I, the thing I love to do in this show is have conversation with people from all walks of life because I think there's more that we have in common that we do different. And it's oh, so yeah. easy with social media or the or the way TV likes to portray things that we're, we're so opposite or we're so far apart, but I really think that we're more, a lot of us are more right here. And just through yeah. a conversation, we can find those things and, and really build upon it. And, you know, I think, I think, did you just turn 50 this year? Or are you just turning 50? I'm about to turn 50. Yeah. All right. I just turned year. 50. Yeah. So we're the same age. So I think that there's something about, you know, maybe coming from our age group that we have connectabilities because there's certain things that we've seen or been through. And maybe we feel like we want, we've learned and we yeah. want to share some of the shit we learned so that other yeah. people can have an easier time. So uh, that's one of the things I loved about it. But, um, you know, I'm I'm really obsessed with um, the male-female conversation of 2021 because I really feel like there's a lot of, um, you know, finger-pointing. Oh, men are this or women are this. And I really feel like, well, you know, I don't like putting any group into a category because I think right. it takes away from, you, you can't just generalize anybody. You can't. You can't. We're, we're just, we don't live in that time anymore, right? So if you think about it, we're both the same age. So if you think about our parents and our parents' parents, our grandparents, mm -hmm. like they came out of a time where where roles were clearly defined. Right. Right. Even if you didn't agree with them, it's just right. how it was. Like roles were clearly defined. We don't live in that age anymore, right? No. Where roles are clearly defined. They're flip-flop. They're all over the place, right? And I don't, listen, I'm not here to say whether that's there's a right or wrong of that. I don't know that there is. That's not, my, that's not my thing. However, right. you have to make the proper adjustments to the time that you're in in order for you to successfully navigate the time that you're in. And so for the folk who are kind of bucking against this thing and yeah. then they're wondering like, okay, why are my relationships, whether they be romantic or, or business or whatever, why are they not working? Because you're not willing to make the adjustments that are necessary for, for the time period that you Completely agree. You nailed it. That's exactly what I think too, because you know, it's so funny. I grew up in a single family home. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my mom was a really strong woman and we were all women in our family. You know, I had my grandfather, but he was the only male influence. I mean, we saw her with my dad in the summertime, but for me, I saw a lot of strong women. So mm -hmm. that's just how I kind of came up. But there was still a lot of traditional roles. Like my mom was, you know, my mom was a mother. So she was doing all the roles and right. she cooked and she cleaned and she worked. So we got a lot of like, we got a work ethic from her. We got the home, the home ethic from her. So we got a lot of like, we learned how to juggle it all. Right. right. And I really right. feel like today, you know, a lot of women are like I don't cook and clean and they're like, but then the man can and like that a meta cooking and, and there's no right or wrong way, whatever works for your house. But I think it's a very interesting time right now. And I believe like what you said, I think it's up to us. We have to work on ourselves first. If we don't master ourselves, then we're no good in a relationship with another person. We're no good in a business relationship because we still haven't figured our own shit out. So that yeah. is what I absolutely loved about reading your book. Uh, because I really feel like you have the choice in life. Like you can sit there and complain about things or you can fix things. You can sit there and keep doing the same thing over and over again and making mistakes. Or you can mm -hmm. say, okay, why do I keep making this mistake? So yeah. I want to talk, I want to start with the 20, uh, hindsight 2020 because okay. I believe so many people live with regrets, right? Oh, and I really man. don't because if I want something, I just go try it. And if it doesn't work out, then I say, at least I tried it. Mm -hmm. So, um, let's talk a little bit about that. Man, the regret thing is so heavy for a lot of folks. I'll speak for myself just to share my own personal experience. Mm -hmm. 
I, I talked about, you know, being that 17 year old kid who, who went off and had all these dreams, but then made a ton of mistakes. I carried those regrets and I carried that hurt and that anger and that disappointment. Um, I was telling somebody the other day, like a badge of honor almost. Right. Mm-hmm. So it, was, it was my excuse now to just do whatever I felt like doing. Cause I'm like, well, it's not working out anyway. So I'm just going to be who I am and living with that regret, man. And then once I kind of started to find myself, so to speak, mm-hmm. and then looking back and the hindsight portion of that and using that as not fuel now to act up, but fuel to learn and to unlearn. You talked about working on yourself first, right? Right. One one of the greatest lessons that I have learned <laughs> is that you cannot demand what you haven't first developed. I love that. That is powerful. That's one of the greatest lessons that I've, that I've I'm still learning it. I, mm-hmm. I haven't mastered any of this. So let, let's be clear. I wrote the book, but the book is not a book of mastery. The book is a book of journey. So people right. know I'm, I'm on a journey. But there's so many things that I was expecting of other folks, but I wasn't taking the time to develop those things in me. And then I'm upset with those other folks. And so with the whole 2020 before hindsight, just to give you, you know, those that are listening, um, some, some context on that. In the beginning of the book, in the dedication, I dedicated to two different people. I dedicate one is to my son and others like him. He's, he's 18 years old. I say, may you achieve 2020 long before hindsight, meaning may you find some clarity. May you learn some things. May you avoid some pitfalls so that later on you're not using those things as lessons, right? Because you didn't go through them, which right. is kind of what I'm doing with my life now, right? Mm-hmm. I'm about to be 50 years old. There are some mistakes that I've made. I'll be quite honest. There's some mistakes that I've made that I'm still paying residuals on today. Yeah, I think a lot of us (laughs) can relate to that. 100% all over. Right. You know what I mean? And so for (laughs) me, the goal with the 2020 before hindsight is, and and I'll use this analogy to explain what my passion is. Mm -hmm. I used to always tell my kids, hey, the reason why I share the things I share with you is, is that Think of it like this. If I walk outside right now and I make a left turn and I fall into a hole, I'm going to come back once I get out of that hole. I'm going to come back and tell you, hey, when you leave the house, go right. And the reason and, I'm, you know, I may tell you the reason why we may have a conversation about it. We may not. Right. But I, the goal is I want to share so that people avoid some of the pitfalls that I was in because what it will allow you to do, it will give you more time to experiment with the learning that you're doing. So true. I, I That is so great because I think that's what so many people don't realize. Like a lot of times, you know, when we're young, we know it all, you mm-hmm. know, and, and you're in such a rush to be the big person. You're in such right. a rush to grow up. And I, I look at all these kids on social media right now and they're all trying to be so big. Right. And I'm like, mm-hmm. just enjoy the, that phase because you have that one time in your life to just make mistakes and figure things out and taste things and, and, and just be free and be a kid. Right, right. Don't rush to be an adult because when you're an adult, you're going to be there for the rest of your damn life. And it's they so, don't understand cheap, it. you know, if you don't, <laughs> if you don't make good choices when you're a young person, you're going to have to pay for those consequences. So I always say, it's okay. You're going to make mistakes. Just don't make a mistake that ruins the rest of your life. That's what I try to right. tell young people. Right. 
Don't make a mistake that's going to ruin the rest of your life. And don't make a mistake that you don't want to continue to pay. You don't want to pay monthly payments on. Right. So you don't want to continue to have residual. Like I, I'm telling you, there's some there are some things, some financial decisions, some uh, some academic decisions, some uh, relational decisions, both business and personal mm-hmm. that still follow me. And so yeah. you, you got to think about that when you're crafting strategy. I tell, I tell the couples that I work with, when you're crafting strategy, think that, think about the end game. Yeah. Right? I like think to call about, them ripples. Yeah. yeah I like think to call about ripples. the end game and reverse engineer if you have to, right? These are the yeah. things I want, or these are the things I don't want. And then you can figure out how to build strategy around it. Such a great point because I think so many people have an idea. They think they know what they want, right? Mm -hmm. But they don't look at what they don't want. I think like, you know, say you're in a job that you don't like. Okay, what don't you like about that job? Then try to find what you do want in the next job. Same thing with relationships. If you're in a relationship and something's not working that relationship, well, write down what you didn't like about your past relationship because you're supposed to be leveling up your job, your relationship every right. time you get out of one. So what would you leave one and get back into the same exact situation? But yeah. that goes back to us not doing the work, right? When we don't do the self-work and look at ourselves, we tend to do the same thing over and over again and expect a different outcome. You know, and, we have and, we have tendencies. And you're right. And some of it, some of it, honestly, what I'm what I'm finding out as I talk to guys, some of it is and not even guys, just people in general, some of it is based on what we've been taught and so we feel like what we've been taught is that's the baseline right and so we just hold on to that ideology so tightly even when it doesn't work right and so that's kind of what i was doing with the whole man law thing right overcoming the man laws you think about all the man laws that are out there right from men don't cry to as far on the other end of the spectrum right that you want Right. Those things were taught, right, as components, almost the fabric of of a man, if you will, the fabric that makes up a man. And so there's so many people who hold on to that ideology because that's Mm -hmm. what they were taught. That's what they believe. So when it doesn't work, it's not me. That's the problem. It's you. That's the problem. Because what I was taught is right. Mm -hmm. And they don't realize, wait a minute, there's some adjustments maybe that I need to make in order for this scenario to work in my favor. Mm-hmm. And that was me. It wasn't until into my marriage and into some disappointments and into some, you know, scenarios that I didn't want to find myself in. that I was like, wait a minute, it, maybe it is me. Like, <laughs> you oh know, that God. moment of wait. self-discovery, like, wait a minute, that, you know, <laughs> I've been wait, trying to get everybody else to do something. Are you saying credibility, Oliver? That is a crazy word. We're not, That's not a crazy word. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And so that, yeah, that was me, man. And so. Some of what I do as it relates to talking to people is getting them to understand that those adjustments that you make are not a threat to your authenticity. Because especially for us as guys, mm-hmm. and you can tell me how, how you give me the female perspective, but as mm-hmm. guys, like what we are, like we just don't want anybody to mess with that. Like right. I don't want you to change me. I don't <laughs> want you... I feel like you're trying to make me into something that I'm not, right? And it's not that. It's about making tweaks that allow your scenario to work in your favor. You're strategizing. That, 
That is such a great point, Oliver, because I always used to do a joke that I, I feel like, you know, there's certain things that little girls and little boys pick up when they're younger, right? Mm-hmm. And I used to always have this joke that I would do that I would say, like, with little girls, you have to de-witchify them because if you let them stomp their feet and cry, it's not right. cute at 17 or 20 or 30, mm-hmm. right? And with a boy, you know, sometimes you have to learn how to saddle them because, like, they do want to be who they are, but you have to sometimes, like, teach them when they can, like, when they can run free and when they have to kind of like, you know, pull back a little bit. But that's a great point that you say about tweaking, because I think that goes back to like, you have to know yourself, right? And there's going to be times you have to kind of be like, pull yourself back. But when it goes to changing people, if you're Mm going to be in a relationship, I say this to people all the time, you're going to be in a relationship with somebody and you think you're going to change them. You're not. And if you want to change them, then it's not the person for you and just keep moving on. Right. Right. Because if you have to change, who you are, then there's some other underlying things that need to be looked at. Right. And I think there's a difference between tweaking, like, you know, you took the words right out. That was exactly what I was about to say. Or tweaking <laughs> who the person is. Right. And I think that you have to kind of, it goes back to, if you don't know who you are, you're going to totally change. You're going to lose your authenticity and you're going to lose yourself in a relationship. If you're trying to fit that person's mold of what they want in a partner. Yep. And I think the same thing with business. Like if you don't know who you are and you're trying to get into a certain group or a certain group or or get approval, you're going to chip away at yourself and you're going to be really confused and lost halfway in. And, indeed. And that's why one of the chapters that I've wrote is on authenticity and the question that's asked. So there's a question that's asked before every chapter. Yeah. And the question that's asked before the authenticity chapter and I'm, I'm paraphrasing, it might not be word for word, but it's basically, can I do all of these things? It's the last chapter. So can I do all of these things that I've learned throughout this book and still be myself? Because that's the question I get from guys all the time. Like you're talking about this, you're talking about trust, you're talking about relationships, you're talking about mental stamina, you're talking about faith, you're talking about respect, you know, and all of these adjustments and tweaks that you make come down to the end of it. Like, am I still going to be me? And the answer is yes. Right. I think you it's will actually be. probably you <laughs> and maybe like even a better version of yourself if you didn't know if you because sometimes you don't know your authentic self because you've been shaped by so many other people and things throughout life. Like you said, like the original laws. Right. right? So if you're just trying to get to the, the, the root of like, OK, but who am I? Who is Oliver? Who is Kristen? Right. And you mm-hmm. go, well, wait, I want to be more honest. OK, because honesty. You know, like that's the thing that a lot of people have a problem with. I'm a big believer of like one of the things I loved about your book is, you know, truth, authenticity, respect. Those are so big for me personally. And I don't really think they're as, as common for a lot of people today. I think we, we we teach the opposite. It's like, oh, do this and just get the get the accolades or get the get the likes or get the get the, you know, you know, pat on the shoulder mm-hmm. and we give yep. people the pat on the shoulder for the wrong reasons nowadays. So like, well, why would I want to be trustworthy? Why would I want to be authentic? Why would I want to be real? Like, you know, real doesn't real doesn't get you like the accolades as fast sometimes. So I, yeah, I, you're I, right. Yeah. And I love authenticity because I think it's so important. And I really think we say authentic, like we, we throw the word around, like there's these buzzwords mm-hmm. we throw around on social media, but right. I don't really think a lot of people really know what the root of authenticity, you know, like, or, or they have the guts to really go through it. You're right, because it what it does, right? Here's what we do in society. When we talk about authenticity, you hear that phrase, keeping it real, right? So we look at authenticity from that aspect where mm-hmm. I'm just going to be me. I'm keeping it real. 
authenticity, true authenticity forces you to look at yourself. You have to look inward because you have to make some determinations. You have to determine who am I? What do I believe? What do I stand for? And how am I going to use that to help somebody else? Right. I love that. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Other than it, 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 in opposition to the other spectrum, which is the keep it real. I'm just going to be rah, rah, rah. You're going to take me as I am. OK, that's cool. But when you get behind closed doors, you still got to fight with who are you? What do you believe? What do you stand for? How are you going to use that to help somebody else? You know, what's so important with those three things you just said, Oliver, is that, you know, I think a lot of people say like, oh, I'm just, I'm, you know, love me or leave me or I'm just being real. But that is so true because a lot of the people that will say that when they're in a group setting, a lot of times they won't really be who they really are because if it's frowned upon, they really still want the validation sometimes. So they will exactly. kind of bend a little bit. So are you yep. really, and that's what I think is the hardest thing about in today's society, there's so much societal pressure with social media and be everybody ever see everything you say, think, or do. Mm -hmm. A lot of people lose their authenticity because it might not be as a popular point That's of right. view, or people that you know you hang out with might be like, "Oh, you don't think that way," and there's such mm -hmm. a need to be validated or fit in. A lot of people are giving away their authenticity. That's you right. Be brave. You do. Oh, that's a great word. I love it. That's it. Yeah. You got to be brave. Yeah, because and, you and know you, you're 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 trying to you're trying to say no. This is what I believe, and this is how right. I feel, and this is how I like to live because this is what makes me happy. But a lot of people like they'll quit. They quit a lot of times if you really know yourself authentically. You're really strong in your conviction of who you are, right. and a lot of people are still they're all just trying to figure it out. So when you get to that level. They kind of don't understand how you can just be so like, yeah, this is this, you know, you're you're so comfortable in your own skin sometimes. And it, it kind of freaks them out a little bit because they're like, whoa, how come I don't understand that or feel that, you know? And I don't think they really want to look in the mirror. Like my mom used to always say to us, you have to make choices in life and, you know, you're going to make right ones and wrong ones. But the day you look mm -hmm. in the mirror, you don't like who looks back at you, then you know you made a wrong one. So that always stuck with me. Yeah. So I always try to say to people, you got to like who looks back at you. You don't have to worry about yeah. if Oliver or Susie or Bobby likes you, but do you like you? I love it. I That's love the question. It. Yeah. I um, love it. I'm Oliver having some support. camera issues over here. Let me, uh, huh? I, I said I'm having some camera issues over here. Something's going on with my screen. Well, you look fine to me, so <laughs> I, I think it's okay here. Um, another thing I want to talk about is the road rest traveled. I mean, I'm a <laughs> huge, I'm a huge believer of taking the road that works for you. And I yep. always feel like there's too much traffic this way, so I wanted to take a left, a couple left and rights, or take the longer route. Um, mm. What made you want to talk about that in your book? Because I think it's such a problem with people in today's world. They just they want the quick, the quick, the quick, the quick hit. Man, the the thing about it, right? For me, and and for those people who know me, right? Those who are being introduced to me now, I am very, or have become very transparent about my experience, right? And so. A lot of what I talk about it, you you could probably put some money on it that he's talking from experience. And and for me, initially, right, I was that kind of person who I, I grew up with parents who were big proponents of the road less traveled, right? Because for them, if there was some spiritual connotation behind it, 
and you know you know you got to be kind of peculiar in a sense and stand mm-hmm. out and not follow the crowd and, and that kind of thing and so i grew up with that ideology on one shoulder right but then when getting to college living on my own doing my own thing on the other shoulder i'm also being influenced by folk who are who are getting things very quickly mm-hmm. and possibly the wrong way right yep. and so that's appealing because it's fast and so i kind of teetered between those two worlds right trying to find you know where i fit and how i can still be authentic to go back to what we were talking about how can i be mm-hmm. my authentic self but maybe still straddle the fence in in, in both areas and then just kind of realizing okay um there's some unorthodox things about how my journey is and i have to now come to grips with accepting that mm-hmm. and accepting it in a way that is not me complaining about it but accepting it in a way that allows me to now craft strategy i'm big on you'll hear me say that all the time crafting strategy because i'm i'm learning that to get through my life i have to have a, a some type of strategic plan and so for me the whole road less traveled thing was was an opportunity now for me to actually step away to have some room and some quietness to be able to figure out who I was and you know learn that I had a purpose passion and path and all of these things that I talk about in the book that actually allowed me to do that and so I actually began to embrace that almost to a fault now there's balance to everything right Right. so let me let me be clear there's Mm -hmm. balance to everything it 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 made me a loner which is not which is not a good thing right that's not the the greatest thing but -hmm. that's what it did i kind of took it to the other extreme i was like okay i've been in the thick of things especially in college in college i was in everything i was a musician so people knew me yeah i played ball i was everywhere right? right and and then when i realized okay man i can't i can't merge these two worlds successfully so i'm just gonna cut away stop them both right i'm just gonna cut away now the cutting away did help me learn myself but the cutting away i would say the negative part of that cutting away was that i became recluse to some degree mm-hmm. and so as i'm coming into 50 i don't know if you've seen some of the posts that i've been doing this yeah. journey to 50 I'm I'm learning over the last maybe six to eight years now the importance of relationship and the importance of camaraderie and and the importance of accountability from a holistic standpoint. Mm -hmm. Not just me being accountable to myself, but me having to be accountable to other guys and having other people be accountable to me. And now I'm starting to find that balance in the last, you know, eight to 10 years or so that that balance between the road less traveled being something that is beneficial to me mm-hmm. and not something that makes me you know uh, shy away from <laughs> from people <laughs> no that's not, that's so true because it is hard because you know sometimes you you go on these different you know when you're on a self-discovery journey or you start taking in information or, or just exploring different paths right mm-hmm. you kind of i'm the type of person that kind of gets hyper focused on certain things too like you know, I think that's something about being a curious person or a learner. You know, you kind of, you like to seek information and then you sometimes will get immersed in the information or you might get 
um, into into a specific journey that you're working on or, or, or kind of really learning something and you kind of get into it. So right. I think that that's part of it. But I think also when it comes to, you know, following the world less traveled, sometimes it can be a little bit of a lonely road sometimes. So I think I can understand how you can get kind of like reclusive in a way because now you're not doing what a lot of other people are doing. And when you're not yeah. doing what everybody else likes you to do, then they don't like that. Then you have to constantly be answering questions or or defending your what you're doing. So sometimes it makes you pull back a little bit. And then once yeah. you get like, okay, now I know what I'm doing, you can kind of get back you're in already, there because now right. you can you can fight all that or you can answer the questions or you, you're you're more confident in where you're at on your journey. Yeah. And yeah. then you're like, it's fine. Like that, I had to go through that, like parenting, especially wow. like yeah. you know, relationships and parenting. There's the, all that pressure from other people. Like, you know, everybody wants to know what's going on in your relationship. They always want to infiltrate with their little mouths or their, their opinions, right? Or, you know, parents. Parents are so judgmental and competitive with each other. And if your child does things differently or you do things differently in your home, a lot of times people are just like, well, why do you, you know, and you have to constantly. So, if you're not comfortable fighting for what you believe in, a lot of times you will just pull back. So like, I don't even want to have to answer these questions, you know? So I think <laughs> yeah. that can happen. And th and that's pretty much what it was, you know, coming yeah. out of when, when I got married, at the time I got married, all of my friends, uh, all of my male friends, except for one, was still single. Yeah, that's hard. So, you know, like I said, coming from that, you know, kind of rah, rah, rah kind of world, mm -hmm. And now moving into this other world and realizing, man, the two, I was trying my hardest to make the two mesh. They just weren't, right? No. And so I'm like, all right, well, I got to leave this, Focus all here. of this other stuff alone. And, you know, for me, that was at that time in my life was that road less traveled. And it gave me some quiet time to really kind of figure out who I was and who I wanted to be, even though I hadn't gotten there yet. But I was like, I yeah. think I know that what I am now is probably not going to be beneficial in the, in the long term. So what do I need to do? Yeah, I like that. Um, another thing you talk about is respect. I think respect is mm -hmm. a really interesting word. You know, years ago we were taught to respect, you know, elders or whatever. But I think respect for me personally, you have to respect yourself. And I think a lot of people don't start with respecting themselves. And I think that's yeah. why a lot of people struggle so much in life or they're so angry um, because they haven't mastered respect. Uh, what, what was one of the things that you, what do you, what is one of the things for respect for you that you think is so important? Is it something that you, and that goes back to what you said earlier, you can't demand something mm -hmm. if you haven't mastered it yourself. And that's, that's where that statement came from. It came from trust and respect because there yeah. were certain, there was people that I wanted to trust me, but I wasn't really being trustworthy. There were people that I felt like needed to respect me because that's one of those depending on how you grew up, right? And depending on the demographics and the ethnicity and the culture, you're gonna get, especially in certain cultures, this ideology that because you are a man, you just are owed respect. Right. And there are people today who, you know, actually will balk at that and be like, are you kidding me? But that, you think about me, right? I'm almost 50, so if you think about my parents' generation and their parents' generation. Mm -hmm. You know, my grandfather, my father, it was, you're just gonna do what I say. We're not gonna talk about why. I'm not even gonna give you the opportunity to ask me why, because that's right. disrespectful. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so, yeah. so for me- about, just do as I say. Right, yeah. and so for me growing up under that level of what respect was, I'm like, oh, well, people are just gonna respect me because I say so. And then, 
I got married. <laughs> and just for those of you who may not be married, let me just save you some headache and tell you that that does not work. <laughs> right. That don't work. Right. And so that's that's where that came from, man. Um, not not demanding something I haven't first developed. Like I can't expect you to just trust me based on my title or who I am or my role. There's mm -hmm. some things I have to develop in myself. And then it made me start looking back at, which I do in the book, looking at the people that I respected. Right. And what were the things that I respected? Why did I respect them? What kind of person were they? How did they deal with other people? Uh, and then I, I started to pull some things from that as it relates to, okay, what do I need to do to work on myself mm -hmm. so that I'm respecting myself enough to walk through the journey of self-development? And then I'm now respecting others in a way right. that will garner that level of respect that I'm looking Fact. for. Yeah, it's so funny, too, because I think as a society, respect is something that's just, you know, you just look at the way that people just feel the freedom to just say whatever they want to people just on mm -hmm. chats and stuff like that. And I'm like, but you realize that that's another human being. I know you're just looking right. at a screen, but that's a human being. And I, I really think that people have lost, um, you know, that civility of, of like, you know, respect is a word. I just think that these some of these, these lessons in your book are just things that society in general could really be working on a little bit because you know respect and authenticity and and just honesty just they're just things that um for me they're just um codes of ethic that i i i look for in the people that are around me and i think mm -hmm. when you bring those levels of people in your life i think you have a better um level of humans in in your own circle you know because think yeah. about it if you're if you're hanging out with people that aren't respectable or 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 trustworthy or honest, then you're gonna be constantly putting yourself in these situations that's gonna be making you feeling like hurt all the time. So it's really very simple. It's so funny how things are so simple when people overcomplicate it. <laughs> yeah, and and going back to like respect and you know and a lot of this other stuff. Um, there was something else you talked about in the book. I actually just talked about this the other day. I I was doing a lot of research into parenting styles the other day. Going back to what you were saying about do as I say because I said so. And there's like the authoritative mm -hmm. parent. There's the, um, um, there's like a bunch of different parenting styles. And one of the things that came up in one of the quotes that I saw was reaction versus responder. And yeah, that's what you talk about in your book. And mm -hmm. I think we are, reaction is such an issue in our, in our society today. We are all in reactionary mode and mm -hmm. nobody is in responding mode. Nobody is digesting information and taking the time to think of the human aspect. We're just in constant like, this mode so talk a little bit about that because I, I think it's something that's such a fascinating thing yeah that that's um a place i found myself in often and that was based on you know just making bad mistakes so once you mm -hmm. once you get in a rut of making bad mistakes you kind of automatically get into this reactive mode where you right. where because you're always waiting for the thing that you need to react to <laughs> you know because of what you did and you know there's repercussions or whatever the case may be and what I learned was, and, and a lot of these lessons, you know, for me, came out of being a husband, right? Mm -hmm. I, I hadn't began to practice any of these things before I became a husband. But mm -hmm. for me, I couldn't sit back and react, right? Because if you sit back and react, you allow certain things to go by you that you then on the back end don't have any control of over. Right. 
And then when you realize you don't have any control over it, then you react to that. And that reaction is detrimental to your relationship. 100%. When you, when you react to something you don't have control over, because now mm-hmm. you're, you know what I'm saying? You, you're crazy, basically, right. in a nutshell, right? Right. And so for me, learning mm-hmm. that not only to respond, right, but to, but to be proactive. So I'll give you an example. There are cer- certain things that I know my wife loves and there's certain actions certain activities certain acts of kindness you know those kinds of things that get a certain response out of her now me knowing that instead of waiting for her to be in that mode and then reacting to her being in that mode i'm now proactively doing things saying things responding in a certain way that actually puts her in that mode I love right? that yeah and, and, and we don't always do that in and, and take it outside of relationships right just yeah. take it to just life in general it's society right? yeah right if we start looking at the end game right, right? and crafting here there's that phrase again crafting strategy as it relates to achieving that end game we won't always stay in reactive mode We'll start to do some things proactively and we'll start to realize that it's actually to our advantage because sometimes we feel like being reactive keeps us safe. And so that's to our advantage. So I'm like, I'm just going to wait for it to happen. And then if, if, if it happens in such a way that I pop off, then I'm justified in popping off. Right. Right. As opposed to crafting strategy to the end game, you realize that you can actually control the outcome. Yes. And when you yes. realize that you can control, and I'm not talking about manipulation, let's be no. clear. <clears throat> no, 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 be you're clear. right, because right. You, you know, your choices and your reactions are what, you know, they're going to c- control, like, whatever outcome you're looking for. Right. So, you know, if you know that you're a hothead and you're always going to approach somebody with an attitude, you're probably going to get in a lot of fights and a fight could possibly hurt somebody and there could be a ripple effect that takes you on a really long path. Or yep. if you understand that, like, hey, why am I a hothead when th- things happen? And why do I react the way I react and try to find the solution? I just had this conversation with a friend the other day. He messaged me about that. And he was like, oh, I did some work. And I really realized, why am I always reacting the way I'm reacting? And I think <laughs> people don't want to spend enough time actually doing the work, finding out why they react. They'd rather be like, well, it's that person's fault because they they pissed me off or the bus yeah. was late or I didn't get to have breakfast and my, my, my kids were too, you know what I mean? We always want to yeah. point everything why we had such a bad day. Yeah. 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 It's, it is so much easier to insinuate right. than it is to be introspective. Mm-hmm. It's just easier for me to be like, it's, I, it's you. Yeah. It's your fault. Right. <laughs> I'm perfect. I, yeah. I could, I could project, all day i could do that all day long it's easy right but but to but to actually be proactive Mm -hmm. takes some level of introspection and you gotta going back to what we were talking about right understanding Mm -hmm. who you are what you believe uh what's important to you right how are you going to use those things to help other folks and so you got you got to do it and so for me that was that was a game changer for me between mm-hmm. that and understanding the fact that I can't demand something I haven't developed for me. That was a game changer. Yeah. I, I love that. that. I think and, that's and so important. That. 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so Oliver, through this process, I know that it probably helped you become a better father and a better husband. Um, how did it improve your your work your work life? Like just in general, what were some of the things that you noticed? You know, overcoming these man laws. What what did you get out of it in your um, professional life besides your personal life? I didn't have to be an actor. So let me explain what I mean by that. Yeah, I want to hear that. Yeah. So when you 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 hear a lot of people that talk about uh, you know shape shifting as it relates to your workplace or uh, let's say your culture and your culture speaks, you know, has a certain dialect, but when you get into another culture, you kind of have to shape shift and be who, who you need to be to fit into that. Right. Right. So in the workspace, I knew I had to be a certain kind of person, mm -hmm. especially in the work that I was doing at the time. Yeah. So if I go back to college days and right after I got married, I was working with young people, specifically young people who were troubled. So they were in the juvenile system or they were in the truancy system or they were in the mental health system. So I was working in some really, you know, interesting, I'll put it that way, environments. Environments, yeah. Now, here I am, I have to be something for those folks. I have to be somewhat of a counselor. I have to be somewhat of a, um, an example. And when I tell you I was living two completely different lives. <laughs> the work awesome. per right. The work person is, you know, dependable, mm -hmm. speaks well, is you and not that I wasn't intelligent, but I, yeah. I used it there because I had to show these young folk that there was something different other than right. their environment. Right not them not knowing that once I left that I was pretty much living the same way they were right I was just older you know what I mean so I had a little bit more control and a little bit more right. self-control learning these things mm -hmm. having this level of self-discovery going back to what we were talking about with the authenticity knowing and realizing who I am what right. I stand for what I believe how is that going to help folk now I'm just the same person across the board I love that. Right. So there's not yeah. a whole lot of shape shifting that has to go on. If I'm sitting with a group of uh, Caucasian folks, yeah. I'm still Oliver. Oliver. I'm sitting with a group of African American African American folks. I'm still Oliver. Hispanics. I'm still Oliver. I'm still me because the ideology that makes up the fabric of who I am as a person is universal. Because I now have. I'm now learning. I, mm -hmm. Again, let's go back. Let's be clear. Yeah. I haven't mastered this. There's a journey so I'm on. <laughs> right. right. It's a journey I'm on. But I'm learning to be comfortable with what I've discovered about myself. That's awesome. And then the things that I discovered that I'm uncomfortable about, I am intentional about working on so that I can get them to that level of comfort. And so you, wherever you see me, you just, just you see me. That makes At sense this because, point in life. yeah, I think that's a, that's what it gets back to. Like you know, it's it's becoming comfortable in your own skin as who you are, yep. not the skin that every like. It's not being comfortable in what everybody expects you to be, and right. I think that it's just such a. I just think it's such an important journey for people to take because I feel like that's the key to happiness. You know what I mean? It's like I think where so many of us are unhappy 
or so angry or so confused or so lost because we're constantly trying to live by other people's vision standards or expectations and it comes from yeah. your childhood it comes from you yes, know it comes exactly. from the way you were brought up it comes from your neighborhood it comes from your friends it comes from undue pressure from other all these outside forces so when you can learn to be like whoa don't care what you have to say i'm working i'm worried about what i'm saying and yep. then you really master it i mean i think it's a it's a game changer and i think that's what's great it is a game i think and it sounds like um, through this process, um, one of the things I loved on one of the, on the things I saw on your Instagram page, there was a young man mm -hmm. that wrote something amazing about like what you did for him as seeing somebody um, as a role model. Yeah. And I think it seems like that, that you've really found your passion and your purpose and your path. And uh, do you want to decide, talk about that a little bit? Yeah, this this was recent, man. I, um, I was making a transition and so uh, as it relates to business and so this is a young man that i had kind of spent a lot of time well a lot of time around i'd say and and what here's what's crazy right if you read what he said you would think that the time that i spent with him was time intentional mentoring it was not and that's what blew me away because right. the time that i spent with him he worked with a group of individuals that I had worked with for years and I mm -hmm. would just go back there and just shoot the breeze with them for a little while. Right. And joke around and talk about all kinds of stuff. Right. It was never a like one on one. Hey, this is how you're supposed to live life. Right. And so for him to say that that he got that from me, from that interaction. Right. Was just it just blew me away because it it speaks now to what I've been working on. And I've been working on being this authentic person who makes adjustments along the way, not for your sake, but for my sake. Right. I'm making adjustments to make myself a better person. Right. And, and the fact that he could see that was just it was humbling for me. Yeah. Because I'm like, man, OK, the work that I'm actually doing on myself is is actually paying off like and it's you know, impacting yeah you know yeah it's paying off for me and other people are are seeing that as well and and we kind of i'm telling you when we get out of that cookie cutter mentality right you got to be this you got to fit in this mold in order to be successful in this vein i i use the analogy in the book right if you put a pound cake in a bunt pan yeah. or or the ingredients of a pound cake, right? You put them in a bunt pan, you put it in a glass dish, you put it in a flat foil pan, whatever. At the end of the day, it's still a pound cake. Yeah. Why is it a pound cake? It's a pound cake because the core ingredients that are in a pound cake are in that dish, whatever it is, right? Yeah. It's not that we all got to be bunt cakes. Yeah, right. However, we all do need some certain components in our lives that make us uh, true uh, assets, if you will, to mm -hmm. society. Oh, and, I love that. I, I totally agree with you on that, Oliver. Yeah, finish your statement. Yeah, and, well, yeah. I was just going to say, and, and me trying to be intentional about having those components in my life, it was really humbling and... and honestly phenomenal to hear somebody a young person say that he saw that mm -hmm. and 
that it was beneficial to him. So yeah, that, that meant a lot to me. I, I agree with you. I think that's what so many people don't realize. I really feel like, you know, I, I, I talk so much about impacting other people's lives and that we all have the opportunity to do it. And so many people think that you help people or you change people's lives by money or getting involved in some organization. Mm-hmm. And it's simple as, it's just as simple as listening to somebody once in a while or at work you know, showing a little interest in somebody that yep. maybe is younger or trying to find their way or giving a little bit of advice or, hey, you can do it or good for you or great job on that. It's just the little things that can make such a huge difference in people's lives. And, and that's something that, you know, happens to me all the time as a bartender. You know, over the years, there's been so many people that I, you know, maybe DM'd after I know a lot of my customers really well. And I might DM like, hey, is everything good with you? Like, what's up with you? Right. And it's amazing how they're like, wow, I can't believe that you cared, you know, or enough mm-hmm. to ask. And I think that's what people don't realize. We are all, you know, on our journeys. We're all trying to figure ourselves out. And sometimes just encouraging another person makes that yeah. big difference. It, may, it, it seems just so little, but it makes a huge impact on them. It does. And it's it for me. Right. It made me think about something I talk about early in the book. Right. So I talk about this four framework process that I feel like every man or every person really should go through. And it's observation, training, feedback and execution. Right. And if you think about it just in a nutshell, like if you think about going on a job, like so far, I use you, for example. Right. You have a new bartender coming in. Right. That bartender is going to observe you. They're not just going to be out there just making drinks willy-nilly on day one. They're going to observe mm-hmm. you. Hey, this is how we do it. This is what we do. Just watch and learn. And then at some point, they're going to start the training process where they're making a drink or two. You're over their shoulder. You're like, hey, do this. Pour that. No, that's too much. No, that's not enough. And then at some point, they, they're good. You're like, hey, you on your own. Knock this shift out on your own, right? And right. then you're going to give them some feedback. Hey, you right. know what? You know, when you made that drink, it was a little bit too strong or you made that drink, it was a little bit too weak or you didn't Mm -hmm. put too much ice in it or whatever. And you go through that process. Right. And that's a process that we should be taking as accountability partners, if you will, to other folks, taking people through that process. And so for him to say what he said to me and it wasn't he's not a coaching client. Right. Like I have some coaching clients. Right. who, Who could say that. But. Right. That's because we've been doing intentional work. He's right. not a coaching client. He's just somebody who was just hung around me. So I just from it. that observation, it just made me feel good. Like, okay, all right. I'm doing keep, the right thing. Keep doing what you're doing. This is the path. Keep, yeah. Keep I, I just want to touch on a, a couple last things since before we wrap it up. I love the four things you just said because I think, for me, observation is how I learn. Mm-hmm. I love to observe other people because I think when you can observe you and just take things in, I think we spend too much time responding instead of observing because observation is one of the greatest teachers that I've ever had, especially on on a new job. I always come in, I, I just sit back, I watch everybody. I figure out who everybody is. You know, everybody's got their characters, you know, who you know who they are. If you sit back and watch. And then I think um, feedback is such an important thing. And it's something that we've got away from as a society. Like we've, we've actually made it a bad thing. And Mm -hmm. I just think that that's so crazy because you're not allowing an employee to become the best employee they can be. You're not allowing a person to become the best person they can be because feedback is sometimes uncomfortable or hard to right. hear. Right. But, but improving, imp- how do you improve if you're not getting critical feedback of how to get better? So I just think that that's so interesting. I, I just think that, you know, I hope that people that have been like listening to our show or watching today 
maybe got something out of this because I really feel like, you know, we are all our own people. And, mm -hmm. you know, we all, it's up to us to take the journey to want to be the best version of ourselves. No one's going to do the work for you. No one's going to pull your hand and say, hey, I think you can, I think you could be really special. Or I think <laughs> that you need to really work on this skill set because no one's going to tell you the truth because God forbid we tell the truth anymore. Wow. That's beautiful. You hit the nail on the head. You're right. Right. God forbid we tell the truth because that's, that's what it is, right? The reason why feedback is so shied away from now is because if you're not telling me I'm doing a great job, then you basically disrespecting me. So you can't tell me I'm not doing a good job, you know, even though it might be for my good to get that feedback so that I could make the necessary tweaks and adjustments so that I could be better at whatever it is. We just take offense. We, we get into reactive, just, to, just mm -hmm. the same stuff we were talking about. Right. And so, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's crucial, man. It, it is crucial. And I, I do hope that folk, you know, this was a ph phenomenal conversation. So I, I'm sure somebody got something, you know, <laughs> out of it. Um, but yeah, that's, you know, that is in a, in a nutshell, the journey that I have been on yeah, um, of self-discovery. Right. Which is basically is the word that kind of sums up what you just said just now. Um, we got to go through this level of self-discovery because... Yes, you can get a coach, you can get some folk to kind of guide you along the way, but a coach is only as good as how hard the person works. You can hire the greatest, most expensive coach on the planet, but if you don't work on the self-discovery piece, then you just threw your money away. That is exactly <laughs> you know right. I mean? No, you're right, Oliver. Because if you don't really want to do the work, you know, like that's I was saying that something I had actually had this conversation. I had some people in the other day and one of the kids uh, was playing a sport and the parents were in there, they were flipping out, they like like they think that the coach just ruined his like whatever. And I said, you know, hey, listen, you know, you're gonna have good coaches, you're gonna have bad coaches, you're gonna have people that are gonna not treat you the right way in life. But if it's mm -hmm. something you're really passionate about, you're gonna have to dig deep and decide that you're willing to take those coaches that hit you over the head or are not yep. appropriate or don't belong in coaching, you know. And if you don't want to do that, then you're you're not gonna, um, you know. That's the thing that you have to kind of realize. So either you're gonna have to dig deep and decide you want to improve yourself. You have to decide if you really want to improve yourself. And if you do, then you'll do the work. And yep. if you don't, then you won't. And you can just keep sitting there and blaming everybody else for why. Your life's a mess and uh, you don't nothing works out for you. You know, you yep. play the blame game if you want. <laughs> You're right. I'll give I'll give everybody listening a free piece of advice as it relates yeah. to looking for coaches. Okay. Right? If a coach is not pushing you, if you're not uncomfortable, and when I say uncomfortable, I'm not talking about he's he or she is creepy. That's not what I'm talking about. Right. If you're not uncomfortable in the sense that you walk away from those sessions like, man, uh, I can I even do that? Like that's outside of what I normally do. Or if you're not being challenged, then you're not with the right person. I love that. Hands down. That's such right, a great The point. right coach is going to poke at you because what they're trying to do is get you to look at yourself and they're trying to get you to have those moments of self-discovery and self-actualization that will then Put you in the frame of mind to be intentional about doing the work that they're pushing you to do. I love that. That's such a great point. You know, 
I love that, Oliver. Oliver, I've really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you so much for joining us. Man, and, thank um, you. It was my pleasure. Okay, and if anybody wants to, uh, his information's been on the bottom of the screen, and you can get this book um, on Amazon, right? Yep, you can get it on Amazon. You can also, if you go to uh, Instagram, either the Instagram on the bottom of the screen, which is the OC Marcel or the one beside my name, and click on the link in the bio, that is the easiest way to get yep. to everything. Okay, all the information and everything else. Yep. All right, well, thank you so much, Oliver. Have a great day, and everybody thank you. will be back. I will be off next week. I'll be away, but I'll be back the week after that with another show. So thanks so much for joining us, and have a great week, everybody, and keep doing that work. This episode of Chicken in a Bag is over. She's got to get back to being a mom, wife, bartender, therapist, comedian, you know, real life stuff. But you can catch more episodes of Kristen being Kristen on YouTube. Don't forget to subscribe. Catch you next time.